Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Alex, and I'm the, the pastor here at Ridgeview. And I want to kind of start off by telling you a story. Uh, when I was 10 years old, I and my friend Hugh, we were living in England at the time, my family. And uh, it's really, uh, you get some real winters there. You know, here, when it gets to 70, it's like, wow, polar vortex. You know, it gets, feels cold for us. But in England, uh, it's really cold uh, in the winter. And one one winter day, me and my friend were deciding we wanted to go play outside, and there's a creek by my house, and we were throwing snowballs and doing all that stuff with the snow on the ground, having a great time, and we noticed that uh, the creek was, was frozen over, and there was something about frozen body of water that, that got our attention, and so at 10 years old, I thought, you know, let's, let's move from this land to this body of ice, and we began to uh, skid on it. We're playing tag on it. We're goofing off. You know, we didn't have parents. We didn't have a care in the world at the time. We ha- I had parents, but not with us uh, at that time. And so we're just doing stuff. When we, you know, from the sliding to the messing around, it, it then went to, to jumping. And, you know, it's ice. And so you're thinking like, this is awesome. It's usually water. And now it's not. And we didn't give much thought to it. So we're just jumping and we're acting like it's a trampoline. Like, look, look at us. Look at us. We're just jumping and taking turns, jumping and taking turns and jumping and taking turns. My last jump, as I'm in the air, I hear a noise like this. And in the air, I thought, I think, I think that's cracking noise. And in the air, I thought, that's not good. And I landed, and I went right through the ice. And if you're not a strong swimmer, or if you've ever been in frigid ice water, you have like a stroke that I call the frantic doggy paddle. And I went right through the water or into the water and just began this like, ah, and everywhere I'm going, I, I can't get to the, to the shore. Every time I'm trying to get to the ice, it breaks further. And I can't get, and my friend Hugh is just looking at me like, and I, I'm just, I'm not sure I'm, I'm going to make it. And so in this, you know, my life's flashing for me, you know, and I'm like, tell my mom I love, I didn't say that, but, and finally he, he helps me and he grabs my arm and I get out. And I begin to walk home with him, and I begin to think of all the different stories I need to tell my mom that happened instead of me jumping on the ice. So I came up with this story. We were playing near the creek, and I tripped on a stick, and I fell in. (laughs) And it just made complete sense. And so I had this story made up in my mind, and I was rehearsing it, and we went to my house, and my mom opened the door, and she looked at me. Just this look of just sheer, just she was freaked out because I was actually kind of like blue at the time and like little icicles. I was like a little snowman, little British snowman, just ready to walk home. And so since that day, I've learned a valuable lesson that bodies of water that are iced over are still bodies of water. And I don't really play near ice anymore. Why? Because I've fallen through, and I've had an experience that has changed my life. So every time I see that, if my kids were like, Dad, let's do this. This is a great idea. I'm going to say, no, it's, it's actually not. Bad things happen. And the idea was that I placed my confidence in that foundation, and it ended up breaking, and I, I paid a price. Now, thankfully, um, I was going to be 6'6", and now I'm just 5'11", but that was the only side effect. <laughs> you know, that was it. And so I'll just take that as a, a, lesson, a lesson learned. But, but what, I, what I realized in that moment is that, uh, that that's a picture of, 
of, of faith. And faith is what you, you place your, your confidence in. That's like the practical definition of faith. Faith is something or someone that I place my confidence in or my trust in. And I'm starting a new series today called Catalyst, and we're going to look at the things that God uses to grow our confidence in him. The things that he uses that matures and speeds up our faith. And many things happen in life that, that, that cause that. But we're going to look at how can I and how can you and how can we together uh, cooperate with God so that happens. And so what you find in Scripture specifically is that a growing faith in God and in him alone, it equals a growing maturity. And so as you grow in faith, your maturity grows. And in your, in your handout, in your program, there's a, there's a message handout, and you can follow along. They've got the notes and scriptures, and there's a pen. If you want to take notes, feel free to do that, or if you just want to listen, that's fine as well. But this is the, the main kind of overarching principle. Growing faith equals growing maturity. If I want to grow in maturity, then I have to go through faith. I can't become a mature follower of Christ or a mature Christian and not grow in faith. Those two are the same. In fact, uh, in my own experience, and as I've read the scriptures more and more, a key indicator of spiritual growth is faith. Again, you can't grow spiritually and you can't grow spiritually mature without faith. It's the key element of how God designed this relationship to work. So you got this, this kind of idea of confidence, faith, and then this idea of catalysts and what God does to grow our faith. And the definition of catalyst you'll see here on the screen is this, an agent that provokes or speeds significant change or action. So it's an action that happens that causes a reaction in us. And that's the idea of what a catalyst is. Something happens and we react to it. And most of the time we live life just as things happening to us and we react one way or the other. The way of faith is, as life happens, I need to react in a certain way. And I also need to cooperate with God so that the right things are happening to me. Because trouble finds us most of the time without looking for it. But to actually grow takes intentionality. It takes us a path. And so here's the practical definition of faith and the catalyst working together. Faith is having, you'll see it up here on the screen, complete confidence in God as I handle life's demands. So we all have demands in this life. You have your job and all that comes with that. You have your relationships and the role that you play, whether it's a sibling, a spouse, a parent, a kid, whatever that is, you, it's a major part of your life, how you handle your relationships. You have your finance. You have all these things that you're responsible for. And those are the life's demands. Well, faith is having complete confidence that God is actually watching you and is for you in the middle of all those things that happen. And that's why faith is, is so important. And so I was thinking about this in, in my own life and this idea of confidence. How would this kind of faith, this kind of confidence, change my outlook in life? And so I, I thought about what, what I spend a lot of my time with and see if you can relate to these. I spend a lot of my time thinking about concerns and worries that I have. Any of you guys... Spend your time thinking about worries. I think we all do. Things that we don't know how it's going to happen. It's maybe related to our future. 
Maybe it's related to our present circumstances, and we're, we're worried and we're burdened by it, and it weighs on us. Faith, that complete confidence, is knowing that in the middle of my worry, in the middle of the unknown, God is with me, and he is for me. That's what faith is. It's confidence. He is with me right here and right now with what I'm facing. And not only is he with me, but he's not a spectator watching. He is for me. He is here to help me. Does that have a different outlook or an impact on our fears and our worries? Yes. Why? Because God is with us and he's for us. Then I thought about uh, fears that we have. So we have worries, things that we can't concern. And then we just have fears. And these are all the scenarios that we run. How many of you are good at running scenarios? You can have a whole movie in your head of something that will happen. And then this is going to happen. And if that happens, this is going to happen. And if that happens, this is going to happen. And all of a sudden, you're just like, it's crazy. What happened? Nothing. But you're already on like the the screen. The credits are rolling. The movie's all been played out. And we just can give in to fear because of all the unknown. And then I thought about it in my own life. How would God being for me and God being with me impact my need? And and here's where it gets a little bit real. Because we can all admit we worry. For the most part, we can all admit we have fear. What about this? The need to control, right? The need because of our fears and because of our worries, we want to make sure everything happens as it should. And we want to make sure everyone does as they should. And we can get so overwhelmed by people needing to do this, they need to do that. And if they do that, everything will work out. But if they don't do that, it won't. And if they don't do that, that's not skipping. That's my mind just racing. And that happens. Happens in our worries, happens in our fears, happens in our need to control. But what you find is in the middle of all those things, God wants that pressure and those feelings to get you to the point where you realize, wait a second, instead of running the scenario, instead of playing this out in my mind, instead of trying to control, instead of trying to worry and giving in to fear, I can say God is with me and he is for me. That's what faith is. It's complete confidence as I handle all of life's demands. Hebrews 11.1 defines faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. If you've never read Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the chapter of faith in the Bible. It's this picture of all the people that have gone before us who followed after God that chose faith, that chose complete confidence in God despite what they faced. So if you never read that, that would be a great next step for you this week. Read a Hebrews 11. But in the beginning, it defines what it means to be a person of faith. Well, it means that you have an assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so assurance, the, the literal word translated is this idea of it's a support beam that steadies something. And so maybe you have two, you know, two poles and they're kind of wobbly. Our whole pipe and drape collapsed this morning right before you got here, or maybe some of you saw it. So if it's, it looks a little bit open here, we didn't blow out a wall. We just took down these because the whole thing fell. What it lacked was a support beam that went across the whole thing, and it fell. And so assurance is that if there's a support that will support the weight of the things that you face, that's assurance. It's, it, there's a support that's, that's there. And then conviction is proof. So you have this support beam in place. You have a proof that, that God is with me and that, that God is for me. 
uh, a period in my life where I think um, my wife and I probably grew the most in our faith was a season where we were trying to have kids. And we'd been married a few years, and we'd already ho- you know, always hoped for a family and to raise kids. And we started trying to have kids, and we, we couldn't get pregnant. And we couldn't get pregnant. And then time went on, and we still couldn't. We still couldn't. And then the scenario started coming. What if, what if I'm never a, a dad? I always thought I'd be a dad. What if I wasn't a dad? What if that wasn't going to happen? And what does that mean for our life and all the things? And what I began to realize was I had a certain expectations of what my life was going to look like, and we all do. And stuff began to get a little foggy because it wasn't happening according to my time frame. So we began to go down this road of trying to face what we had hoped for that maybe wasn't going to come true. And I remember at the time waking up, and I'd wake up in the morning, and nothing seemed wrong, but I'd have a knot in my stomach. Just like where life didn't seem right. Like there was something that just didn't seem normal. And I remembered, I was like, oh yeah, we trying to get pregnant, we can't get pregnant. And this knot just grew, and it grew over time. And what I began to realize is that I had placed my confidence uh, in my, my plans. I placed my confidence in the picture that I had created of my life. And in God's timing, he began to reveal that to me. And it was a journey of, God, I, I want assurance and I want to have a conviction that you are with me and you're for me. But right now, I, I just don't know. And it, for 17 months, um, we lived with that knot in our stomach. And then God heard our prayer, and we got pregnant. Praise God. And since then, we have two more kids. I told myself back there, don't you cry. Don't you do it. Stuff a Krispy Kreme in your mouth. <laughs> but it's very interesting because on this side, after God's provision, I, I need to remember that. Because there's times with parenting, like last night was one of them, where I was tired and I was done. But faith is that realization that God was with me and he was for me all along the way. And no matter what happened, I will not place my confidence in something else. That's what faith is. Despite my picture, despite my waiting, despite the hopes that I have, I will not place my confidence, and I will not stand on another foundation. That's faith. And some of you, you're dealing with that right now. There's hopes that you have. There's a vision of your life, and it's not matching up. And right now, in the middle of everything, God wants you to know that he is with you, and he's for you. And that picture may not come true. That picture may not work out in your plans and your hopes. But in that, God wants to grow your faith. And he wants to grow your assurance and your conviction. So that's, that's faith. And then faith is also found in the fact that, that God rewards it. So not only is it having a complete confidence, but it is something that God pays attention to. And what I found in my life, if God pays attention to something, you better pay attention to it. Because if it's important to God and I follow him, then it's important to me, and it should be. Uh, further on in the next verse, Hebrews eleven two. so one is faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. 
Verse 2 is, For by it the people of old received their commendation. Here, the people of old are not just referring to old people. It's actually referring to the people of the Old Testament, the people that followed God's promises and his commands, even the people that did not get into the promised land, even the people that did not experience all that God had in the person of Jesus Christ. These are people who stood on the foundation of faith, that God was with them and God was for them, and they did not move to a different foundation. They did not pursue another love. They repented and they kept following God. And they repented and kept following God. They stayed on, on that track. Now, it's interesting because uh, the conviction or in the previous verse is proof. And then the commendation in here, they received their commendation. It, it comes from the word martyrio, which is where we get the word martyr from. They received their, their martyrdom. Well, martyr actually means witness. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying is the people of old, they stand before us as witnesses. What that means for us is there's people who've gone before us that in their faith lost their life to follow God. So as a Christian, we're supposed to look back at the people who've gone before us, who've given up their life, and that's supposed to be this proof that we hold on to. If they're willing to give up their life for this faith, then... I need to stand for this faith as well. That's what you find, a group of Christians that come together that we're willing to lay down our life to be faithful to God. That's the word commendation. And then Hebrews eleven six it goes on further. And then it kind of spells that out even more clearly. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. So I just want to stop there. So faith is the assurance things hope for, the conviction of things unseen. And that's how the people of old, the people who've gone before us, have received their commendation. This is why people not only are going to be honored by God, but this is why people have laid their life down. They're witnesses of this faith. It's a picture that we can look at. And then you get to this point. If you want to please God, and I hope that you do if you follow him, you want to please him, it is impossible to do that without faith. So faith, is hugely important in your life. And it growing is hugely important. And so to please God means you're going to grow in faith. And God will reward you. So that's the definition. And it's something that, that God focuses on. He looks for. And the next point that you'll see there on the handout and in the screen is, since faith is so important to God, here's the first thing. And this is where it gets a little bit real. God constantly tests our faith. He constantly tests it. The idea is he constantly is checking the foundation for which you're standing on. And he allows life to happen to you where the cracks are revealed. Just like when I jumped up, it wasn't until I was in the air and I remembered gravity was going to happen and I came back down that moment I realized I placed my faith in something that could not hold me. And God allows the same things to happen, pressures, trouble, all sorts of things to reveal where we place our our confidence. And here's the deal about faith. Faith seems like a churchy term, but we all place our faith and our confidence in something, right? We all do. Everyone decides 
what they're going to build their life on. Uh, for some, it's our planning. You have faith and complete confidence in your planning. How many of you are planners? You love your plans. You want your plans to happen. Do they always happen exactly how you want? No. How many of you just go with the flow? Like, I just feel it. You, you're not even sure you can raise your hand. Like, <laughs> whatever. It's all good. And you're thinking, theirs doesn't come to fruition. Why plan? Right? And we place our, our confidence in that. We place our confidence in not planning. We place our confidence in planning. Our intellect, I'm not going to ask you how many of you think you're smart. But most of the time, we think we're pretty smart. You still can't control people and what they do. You could be the greatest, smartest driver. But what about all the other people on the road? That's how life is. We place our our trust in in other people, our confidence in them, what they're going to do for us, how they're going to come through. Uh, We place our confidence in science, logic, how the world comes together, in family, in government. Every single one of us places our trust and our faith in something. And so God, he tests us so we can determine the kind of foundation that we have. And in those moments, it's easy to just, but, this, but, I, but I like this foundation. I, I like what I'm standing on. But it's just ice. And you're going to break through it. So what God is doing is he, he wants you to see the cracks so you can get onto secure land. And the secure land is the path of following him. And that's what God does through faith. Uh, in, in the scriptures, uh, God not only tests it, but this was something that Jesus uh, paid attention to as he interacted with people. And if you read the New Testament, you see lots of things that happened where Jesus is talking about faith or he's acknowledging faith. But there's only a few instances in Jesus' ministry where he marveled at faith, where he was amazed. Now, again, I want to know what Jesus marvels at. I want to know what he pays attention to, what really gets his attention. And it was always faith. And I want to share a, a story that, that happened in the, the New Testament in the city of Capernaum. This is in Matthew 8. And this is Jesus saying, when he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, so Jesus says to him, okay, I will come and heal him. And that's what Jesus did at the time. People asked, please heal me. Please take away this disease that I've had. Please make me whole. My family, my son, my sister, my aunt. People just in droves came to this Jesus. Because people had been healed. And again, they were witnesses of the faith that Jesus was working among them. So people kept seeing these people and seeing these people. If Jesus did that for them, maybe he'll do that for me and those that I love. And this was the same for this man. And then he goes on. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. I would... I'm, this is just how, how I read this. I think, Jesus, I don't really want you to come to my home to see all that's there. It's kind of messy. Anyone else read it like that? Sorry. It's just the season of life I'm in. But Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Don't, you don't need to come, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Just say it. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. 
And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And it goes on. When Jesus heard this, he what? Marveled. He marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Marveled. He was amazed, astonished. Because he's like, Jesus, you don't need to come. You just say it. And I know you have the power to do what you say. Because God, I know if, if you're for me and you're with me and you say it, 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 it will happen. Now, there's another instance where Jesus was marveled. And this is found in the book of Mark. Now, this one is actually a warning to us. This is now Jesus in his hometown of Nazareth. And in Mark 6, listen to this description. And he, that's Jesus again, could do do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he what? Marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled at their lack of faith. This saddens me so much because Jesus grew up and was raised in Nazareth. He comes to his hometown, all the people that knew him. And they didn't accept him. And so here we see that not only God rewards those with faith, but he's testing it. And what God is saying, what Jesus exemplifies here is, is he's looking for people to partner with. I want to do my work through people that have complete confidence that I will do what I say I will do. And I will come through like I say I will come through. And he's just looking around. Who are those people? Who are those people? And in this instance in his hometown, he could do no mighty work there. Now, what's interesting is he could have done as much mighty work as he wanted to do. He is the son of God. He could have done exactly what he wanted to do but he partners through people of faith. And his work was diminished because people had a lack of it. And I think to myself, like, God, I do not want to be a man where you marvel at my unbelief. I don't want us to be a church where you marvel at our unbelief. God wants us to be a church filled with faith. So he could do no mighty work there, but then in Matthew 8, He just said the word, and it happened. And so that's part of the testing. God tests us to see which kind of people are we. People with faith that we say, God, you will do it. Or people that are just, well, I'll just keep doing what I want to do. And we fail to partner with God. So that's the testing. And then the second, since faith is so important, he uses catalysts to grow our faith. He causes certain things to happen where we can choose to cooperate with him. And so a catalyst for it to work, the the reaction happens. And so God wants us to react to things that he does. This is that cooperation. God says, I'm gonna work and I'm gonna move over here and do this thing. And we say, okay, God, let's go over there and let's do it. God says, okay, I'm gonna work here and do this thing in in you. And and, okay, God, let's do it. It's decided wherever he's going, we're joining him in that. That's part of this this process. 
And so what I want to do now is I'm going to be kind of setting up the rest of what we're going to be talking about in this series. So faith is so important. If you want to grow, you need faith. God's watching our faith. He rewards those. And then this is the really important part. He's providing these catalysts for us to grow in our faith. And so we have a choice. Will I cooperate with him? So I want to share these catalysts. And these catalysts are not like an exhaustive list. There's actually many catalysts. There's many things God does to grow your faith. But what I've done is I've, I've summarized the top five. And these five keep coming up in all the different people that I've related to over time, all the knowledge I know about ministry, and my own experience, how God has changed me. And then as I look into Scripture and thematically see the emphasis on different things, these are the five that keep coming up. And so I want to share those, and then each week, for the next three weeks after this, I'm going to be talking about these. So these are the catalysts, five catalysts that grow my faith. The first one is practical teaching, okay? What this is, is the Bible is meant to be lived out. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that you are a mature person because of what you know. In Scripture, you're a mature person because of what you do. In fact, knowledge, in Scripture, the warning is if, if it's just knowledge without action, the word is literally it, your mind puffs up. The idea is you, you become a somewhat arrogant person if all of your knowledge is about what God does, but you've not experienced it, you've not practiced it. And so God uses the catalyst of practical teaching, this idea of when I practically apply what I learned from the Bible into my life, my faith grows. If I read about God's approach to finances and I apply that approach to my finances, I will grow. My faith will grow. If I read the scripture and I read God's commands on words, and I'm supposed to do everything by building somebody else up and not letting any unwholesome words come out of my mouth, my faith will grow because I have to start filtering. Is that helpful? Does that build them up? No, I shouldn't say it, but I really want to say it. It's going to help them so much. Is it going to build them up? No. Okay. Your faith will grow because you're actually having to filter your natural reactions. You have to have faith that, okay, God, I'm going to trust that you're still going to do your work despite the words that I'm not saying. That takes faith. That's practical teaching. The second is private disciplines. So this is the extension that there's actually things that we do in our personal life that help our faith grow. Prayer is one of them. Reading the scripture is another. When I exercise these private disciplines, even prayer is an exercise in faith. Do you see God? No? So when you pray, is he there? I believe so. I can't see him, though. That's faith. So when I pray, it's an extension of faith. God, I believe you hear me, and you're with me, and you're for me. That's faith. But as you exercise those disciplines, it's like the muscle of faith. It grows. As I pray, and God answers my prayer. I can't see him, but he came through. My faith grows. 
as I read the scriptures and I read these warnings and I heed to the warnings and I'm protected, my faith grows. So it happens in private disciplines. Number three, personal ministry. They all start with a P. Just if you're like, I wonder if it's gonna, they all do. For you planners, for the rest of you, you didn't even notice that, but they all start with a, with a P there. Personal ministry. This is as I extend myself to serve others, my faith grows. Because when you serve others, you're telling the person, I care about you enough to put time into you and not into me. There's a cost to that. Faith is God will take care of me as I put time into you and not to me. That's what faith is. So God provides all sorts of opportunities for us to serve. God also provides numerous opportunities for us to share our faith with others. As I share my faith with others, my faith grows. Because I'm now telling somebody about the confidence that I have, but as I explain that confidence, it makes me more confident. And God makes my faith grow. Number four, providential relationships. The idea of providential is these are relationships that God has put into your life to grow your faith. These are people that encourage you, challenge you, check on you, are there for you. These are people that you group together with to do life with. When you have a community of Christians that are there for you, your faith grows. And then the last is pivotal circumstances. These are the things that you face, trouble, overwhelming events, where your foundation is just shaking. And you have a point, like, you get to this point where, am am I going to trust in the middle of this, God is going to take care of me? Is he going to come through? And if we bail out in that moment, God provides another circumstance for us to redo. And if we bail on that, God provides. And so what happens, God is constantly providing and allowing circumstances that are pivotal for our faith to grow. Is this making sense? So these five, we all experience. And so the idea is I have to cooperate with these five things for me to grow. So if my faith grows from practical teaching, then I need to be willing to be taught and learn from others. If I grow by prayer, then I need to... What do you need to do to grow in prayer? Pray. You don't actually need to read a book on prayer. You need to do it. And I could go on. You know, it's by cooperating with these things where the reaction and the catalyst happens and our faith has grown. I want to finalize by kind of putting the piece together. What does this mean for us as a church? So we actually have a strategy for how, as a church, our faith will grow as a church and then as individuals in this church. And so what we've done, we've come up with a strategy that, that aligns these five catalysts in a map for spiritual growth. Every church has a strategy for how you will grow. And we always have to revisit it. And is, is that effective? Is that working? Are people growing in faith? And our hope is as you're a part of this church, your faith when you enter is not the same faith that when God calls you somewhere else. For as long as you're here, we want you to be experiencing these catalysts and this cooperating and these reactions to happen so that you're a spiritually mature person. That is our, our duty as a church to help you grow. 
It is not to make you feel better. That's not in my notes. But that is the truth. Because the measure of your life when you meet Jesus face to face will not be, how'd you feel? Did you feel good? No, it's, how's your faith? Do you have a complete confidence in me? And so as a church, we want to stretch people and challenge people, and we want to experience things together where we are saying, God, in faith, we're going to step out and do what you've called us to do, and then we'll grow. So here's our strategy, and our name is Ridgeview, and so it's Ridge. So here's how we believe is the map to spiritual growth part of this church. The first R, regularly attend a worship service. Here's what I believe. If you don't regularly attend church, I don't believe your faith will grow as much as if you do. I'm paid to say that. So of, co- of course, pastor, that's your job, but, but I believe it's the truth. Because if you're not at church, then you're at home. And what are you doing at home? Sleeping, eating, watching TV. All those things are great, but your faith will not be challenged in the same way as coming to church. And then the I is to invest and invite. I believe your faith will grow as you invest in other people and life is not all about you. And so what we encourage here, when we do sports camp and when we do meetups, it is not for every single person in this room. It is, but that's not the overall goal. It's for all the people who are not here. We do these things because we believe that we are lighthouses into the darkness and God wants us to go out into the dark and bring people into the light. When you do that, your faith will grow. The D is to develop my life through learning. This happens through my own disciplines, and then it also happens in training. And as a church, as we go on, we're going to unfold training that you can be a part of that will help you grow spiritually, where you'll have a mentor and you'll have a coach, and you'll actually learn what it means to be a follower of Christ. Because as you develop your life through learning, your faith grows. G, a group with others, we believe that your faith will grow as you're not isolated you're not caught off, and you actually have people who are speaking into your life. And God wants to use you to speak into the lives of others. As you dig into Scripture, you, you can't get around community. And so if you're not in community, and even beyond a Sunday morning, your faith will not grow as much as you are spending time with people regularly. And then the E is engage by serving. Again, we have people here that every week serve, and they wake up early, they pull the truck in, they transform this school. We have people that give meals to people. We have people that pray. We have people that all do all sorts of things to serve. That that is like the lifeblood of the church. That's where care happens. As you do that, your faith will grow. And so I want to put the two pieces together, the five catalysts in our strategy, and I think it's on the next slide. So regularly attend a worship service, that's the practical teaching. That's where God's word can get into your life. You can hear it. The next one, invest and invite, that's the personal ministry. I take responsibility to tell people about my faith and invite people to my church. The next one, 
develop my life through learning. That's the private disciplines and pivotal circumstances. The reason pivotal circumstances are on there is a big part of your learning is the trouble you're facing. And God will develop your life through that. And then the, the G group with others, it's hard to know providential relationships that God has for you unless you're around those people. So those two go hand in hand. And then the E, engaged by serving, again, that's the personal ministry. The reason I want to say that is everything we're doing in church life, we're constantly, again, we want to align these things to happen. We don't just want to do things to do them. We want to do them so our faith will grow. And as our faith will grow, we become people that say we have complete confidence in God. This is not a show. This is not fake. We believe that God is for us and God is with us. And what I believe is that everyone that does not have that confidence and they're on the outside looking in, they long for that kind of confidence. So as we become people of faith, who this is true and this is real, we are light to those who desperately want security, who want hope, who want faith. God wants to use us to do that. I'm going to pray, and then Joel's going to come up and lead us in some next steps. Let's pray together. Father, we, we do long for assurance. We, we long to be secure, and we can look for that security in so many different places, whether it's our plans, our intellect, our ability, other people, outside sources, but God, we can find security and confidence in you. Thank you for being with us, and thank you for being for us. God, will you grow us as a people, a people of faith, who when the wind comes and the storms come, we stand secure, not because of what we do, but because we know that we serve an almighty God who deserves our trust and our confidence. Lord, I pray that you'll show us right now the things that we place our confidence in outside of you. And God, give us the steps to cooperate with you to shift our confidence to you alone. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.